everyone to today's episode of Let's Stay on Air, the Sci-Fi Stuff, the podcast of Seth Celeste on the Astronomy, Astrophysics, and Space Science Club of Pittsburgh. We are your hosts. I am Yashi. And I am Abdul. Today with us, we have Professor G. Ravindra Kumar. He is a laser physicist and a senior professor of nuclear and atomic physics at TIFR Mumbai. He was awarded the Shanti Swaroop Bhatnagar Prize for Science and Technology, one of the highest Indian science awards, and it's also the recipient of the Infosys Award in 2015. We're glad to have you here, Professor. Thank you very much. I'm delighted to be here and, you know, going back to uh, bits, you know, where it all began. <laughs> So, uh, so a lot of you might not know, but like Professor Ravindra was a, has been a student of Bitsplani before going to do on to do his PhD from IIT Kanpur. So, uh, Professor, can you start by telling us about your years in college? Just in general, how was the experience, and how did it shape you to uh, you know in your future for getting your PhD? Okay. So, uh, firstly, I think we should uh, probably lower our guards a little. Don't call me Professor. I think, in the interest of, in in the in tune with the modern times, call me just Ravi. That's what all all the people call me. In my students here, call me Ravi. So you should call me Ravi too. Well, you are asking me to look back uh, many decades ago, and I should tell you that looking back, I feel that bits uh, has been, I mean, was and will probably be ahead of its time. You know, uh, when we entered, it was a batch of four hundred people who were admitted to the first year. and we were all supposed to graduate into different different branches as we moved on right different streams and so on and so forth and one thing that i would like to i mean you can say so much about your undergraduate place and you can go on and on till uh, till the other person just gets tired of listening to your wonderful time that you had and so on all your friends teachers but one thing that i'll tell you is that i think it had it had a wonderful culture it had a very nice academic system and i'm sure it still has but that i will find out from you guys uh very sort of structured courses a structured program wonderful uh books you know the, the content of the courses was very well defined and the books that were prescribed were very great and of course the professors tried to teach us i don't know how far they succeeded i must admit but i should tell you that the peer group and this is what i tell everybody who who is willing to listen to me that in a university you of course learn from everything around you know your teachers the environment so many other interactions that you have but the biggest teachers the true teachers of you know undergraduate days or any other system like that are your peers and i must say that we had terrific peer group and i went from a small town in andhra pradesh uh, which is still andhra pradesh by the way and <laughs> then uh, when i went there i hadn't actually traveled out of you know even out of my small circle uh, you know little bit away from my town so i suddenly land up you know i travel all the way to delhi and then take a bus and go to pilani and i see all these people who are who seem totally different to me over the next few years they became great friends they became a wonderful you know a group that we all love to remember even to this day and these were all the pre internet pre facebook pre whatsapp days mercifully so we had this small village called pilani and then we had these guys you know about 2000 people in the campus and there was pretty little else pilani is a very small village and it's a lovely place you know with lots of camels and peacocks and uh, but it's all surrounded it's a village so we had only one another you know to talk to to fall back on 
the ones who took care of us and i think it is a peer group that teaches you amazing things they teach you your own subjects too because that's what you run when you don't understand something you run to the guy in next next room and then hopefully he knows and if you if he doesn't then together you run to somebody else and it was a delightful experience and in fact to me it looks like it was just the other day you know my i remember my room numbers my uh, the wing that i stayed in where and who were the first guys i met so it was a delightful group and it was uh, i would say the best teachers that i ever had was this wonderful peer group they came from all over all kinds of backgrounds from the best schools in india to uh, very normal schools and as we moved on we sort of normalized ourselves to you know one another uh, the guys who were much more accomplished or you know much more uh, talented much brainier sort of helped out the guys who were lacking in those departments and they always tried to you know we stood for each other we sort of uh, you know we became a very very close knit group and uh, those friendships are sustained till today and i would say on the academics part as i said bits was you know many of the ideas that bits thought of first were later they became later very common place or they were adopted by other institutions the dual degree scheme for example and uh, the other things were about the fact that you could take in the true sense of you know enabling education you could take courses from other you know branches you could mix and match you could do all those things uh, i think in that sense bits was far ahead of its time though at that time we felt that you know why did i have to do that why i am here to do something you know why are they forcing me to do this uh, all of us had creeps about biology you know they made me do a general biology course which today i regret i hadn't done more biology actually i should have learned more biology but at that time it was like why are they making me do all this you know this is just not right i'm here to do one one particular thing and they don't know anything you know, young people are and they were they are and they probably will always be you know always critical of the things that are the status quo and that's one thing good about young people because they change things but in our way, in our own way we were rebels in some sense saying that you know you're making me do things that i don't really have to do because i'm going to specialize in that and what uses and one of the you know some of the best things they made me do actually engineering uh, practice they made me do uh, engineering drawing they have we had workshop practice these were all amazing things and those skills have actually proved much more than what i thought you know they would mean to me and one of the best courses i had which i use very very regularly in my present career is report writing and comprehension i don't know if you still have that course that is the first time i learned about a, a phrase which i remember till today it's called the fog index do you know what is the fog index i will referencing cited no if you if you read a passage and you cannot make any sense out of it it has got a very high fog index it's like you know you're seeing through the fog you don't know what the guy wants to say so we had paragraphs like that and we were made to see you know how can you write this better and one of the skills that everybody must learn is to communicate well communicate orally and more importantly communicate in writing and i dare say that that was a course that actually gave me first taught me that you know i thought we could all write you know all of us were good writers but that taught me exactly what to write how to write how much to write and whom to address right when you're addressing somebody how to write appropriately so we had a thin little book i forget the name of the book and we went through the whole book and we had lectures and uh, most of the guys would say oh this is a class 
all I can afford to miss. But I think they missed a lot if they missed that course. <laughs> so in sum, uh, it was, I think, a very well uh, structured system uh, of education. It has wonderful courses, flexibility. It had uh, very nice books, you know, G.B. Thomas calculus you guys still use. I don't know. <laughs> We had the G.B. Thomas book, <laughs> which was split into two parts and it became Calculus 1 and 2. And my God, they made us do seven courses in maths from Calculus 1 all the way to numerical analysis. And it looked like heavy at that time, but I think they were really giving us a solid grounding. No matter what, how anybody felt about the course at that time. So this is the solid grounding, you know, seven courses in maths. Uh, three courses or four courses in physics, three courses in chemistry. And then they taught us, it was a five-year program, unlike the now truncated four-year uh, program that you guys have. And so there was plenty of time. Then there was this practice school, which was an eye-opener at the end of the third year. Uh, the PS1, I went to the National Aeronautical Laboratory in Bangalore. And uh, when I look back, I say, oh my God, I saw all these things there. At that time, I didn't realize. So wonderful exposure again. And then for my PhD, I was in a company in Calcutta. And uh, that is again a great experience. So my point is that when you're going through all these things, you probably don't realize the true value. And you realize it as you go through your careers, whatever the career that you choose, you go through your career and you realize everything that you touch there has meant something later. So, uh, and I still, of course, remember many teachers from there. I'm sure they have all passed on and, and uh, they must be at different places. This is a long time ago, but we all had, of course, we had fun. We had uh, Fatta cricket. I still know, know, I don't know if you still get play that. We had, we had to invent our own games too, because we were just a bunch of, uh, you know, 2000 people in a small village and pre-internet days, pre-computer. <laughs> Are you still in contact with your friends? Well, we had a 25-year-old, 25-year uh, reunion, and I was very impressed. Uh, 117 people landed. I think may not be probably we were not the biggest batch that came back to the campus, but we were probably among the biggest. And these guys came from all over the globe, and it was a delight to see how you know how much of Silicon Valley have occupied and where all they have gone in the world. <laughs> I mean, the biggest entrepreneurs that I saw, uh, these were all, you know, all, already we were, we had reached a certain stage in life. We were, people were CEOs and people had started their own companies. And so it was, uh, it was an eye, you know, a great thing was that we went back and saw, you know, that what we did long time ago and what it meant and so we sort of reconnected uh, after that of course you know i am not on social media uh, that may be a surprise to you <laughs> so i haven't maintained much of a contact but i do know where to find people if i want them so i'm sure they do know too i mean that is fascinating that, like course structure has evolved a lot as you said like uh, it's a four-year course than a five-year that you had uh, i think the maths we have like now three courses rather than seven um, i mean it's we still go to complex analysis rather than numerical analysis uh what what was the other two physics courses that you have i think we had uh, probably classical mechanics i mean the you know resting and Halliday was the book so that had that was again split two parts. We did the mechanics part first, then we had the electricity and magnetism in the second course. We had a course in vibrations and waves. We had course I now cannot recall what, but we had four courses at least. Classical mechanics was for everyone. Yeah, it was all these were for everyone. So we had this, you know, the notion of a broad-based curriculum uh, has now come back 
I don't know if I'm right in saying this, as a liberal arts education into Indian universities. It's always been, you know, I think BITS was modeled on MIT. They had a MIT Ford Foundation contact that time that was touted as a big thing. And BITS actually, BITS and IIT Kanpur were the two Indian institutions which took a lot of guidance from those uh, MIT Ford Foundation programs. And the course structure was actually modeled along courses in the US, I guess, uh, and in a liberal arts sense, because it is not just, you know, science and maths heavy. I did a course on contemporary Indian literature. I did a course on Gandhian thought. I did a course on, I mean, you know, we had a, a bouquet of courses which was truly broad-based. When five years became four years, and trends have changed over the decades. So they, I'm sure BITS had to adapt to the present time. And so they must have been uh, significant changes. But I guess the ethos probably has remained the same. And that's something that you guys can you know, think about and see if it is. Um, the grounding was solid. How much of the ground we, uh, you know, we actually owned was dependent on, we, we of course felt that there were too many courses. There were just lots and lots of courses. There were quizzes every week. Uh, there were surprise quizzes. I think the tradition still stays. I mean, you had an exam between 8.30 to 9.30 and a class after that or 8 to 9 and a class. And people are exhausted after the previous night. They were just sort of, you know, getting ready for the exam. And after that, there's a class. So invariably, the class would see a lower density. But uh, if you miss something in, in a system like that, you miss you miss a couple of classes and then you fall behind. So we had to, uh, some of us did all sorts of things. Of course, you know, we should not assume that we were all ideal students. <laughs> we were not. <laughs> but uh, so this did not, did not make uh, evaluation a special thing in your life. It made it as a part of your life, you know, a quiz followed by a class, by a set of classes till lunchtime. And then maybe another test in the afternoon. And so there was no period for like, there was no mid-sem exam break and there was no end-sem exams. This is something that I saw in other places. So it was in a sense trying to give, and this, um, well, another thing to mention is this notion of a makeup exam, which is still there. It's still there. Or it's still there. You're not well or something like that. Or you have to go out, then you get a makeup exam. But then as it turned out, what people did was that they said, I'm not prepared, so I will take a makeup. But invariably, the makeup exam was much tougher than the regular exam. So there you are. <laughs> so you should not do that. <laughs> never... So and the fact that relative grading, relative grading is something that I learned there. Uh, well, most other places say that 80 to 90 is some grade, right? But in bits, uh, at least in those times and perhaps even now, if the course was very tough, 60 was an A, right? And the average 40 was or 40 was C or something like that and 50 was B. So you had this Gaussian which people would display uh, and then say, you know, you can find out where you are. <laughs> and that leads to either a celebration or a sort of, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> a bad mood after you see where you are on that curve. But this is something... I think it was all these components, if you see them separately, they might not mean much, but the integration of all these things at a time when the other, the country was just not prepared for it. There were probably a couple of other institutions and I'm not sure which they were. They did push this and eventually I think after our batch or a couple of batches after that, they had to adapt to the changing social pressures. So they relaxed, they did several things in a sense to suit the changing expectations of 
the indian environment let's put it that way <laughs> but all in all um, i think it had some several several interesting features which have uh, i believe which are now coming back in different forms they're being rediscovered in some way and this notion of uh, you know bits off campus stuff was also something that we used to feel very funny about in the sense what is all this but now their off campus programs have also succeeded i think they are succeeding tremendously and the latest i believe is that they are opening a school of management here in mumbai is mm, it yeah. it's still there mms mm-hmm. master MMS? management we oh. had a five year master management studies in in uh, i don't think uh, we have that anymore yeah i don't, think it's i don't know how much the daughter daughter campuses have adopted <laughs> the bits uh, profile Uh, but the parent campus certainly had this master of management studies and they had this msc tech instrumentation msc tech computer science you know you could telescope they used they used, they had real nice words you know which would make you feel amazed about how they how they were thought of you could you know spend two years uh, two or three years and then instead of waiting to complete your bachelor's you could telescope into a master's program in computer science mm-hmm. or instrumentation right meaning that you don't have to do all the rest of the courses you got a grounding now now you can if you feel like you can branch out into something more specialized or you could of course continue like the traditional engineering sciences and do all that stuff um so it was a very very um, at least i found it looking back i find it uh, i had a fit time in what it wanted to speaking of the degree structure uh, you went from mechanical to physics right in in uh, in your college years so Do you want to talk about uh, why? What, what was your uh, you know attraction towards physics? Why did you make that change? No, so actually, you know, as I told you, we were all admitted uh, in one stream of four hundred people, and then different people branched out. There was, of course, uh, competition for lots of things. All people looking for one branch or something. So then they came up, and there was a lot of unrest about people who did not. get what they wanted so they came up with this notion of a dual degree um to cater to people who may have wanted to spend more time to get you know an engineering degree and a science degree but my motivation was that i had i told you that i had this i came across some very brilliant minds in my first year and i was sort of uh, dwarfed by their brilliance <laughs> in the sense that these were exceptionally there was very bright kids you know in my batch uh, national talent search scholars and they were treated you know very specially everybody knew them that how bright how smart they were and they would just talk about very interesting things and you know in in the first year you're doing all these physics courses uh, which you if you are somewhat you know in the mean of the class no matter what you were in your school before you tend to struggle with some of the ideas and then you take help from your uh, friends peers and then they tell you more interesting things so you start learning more and more stuff and i challenge any uh, any one of you uh, to say that you didn't find physics exciting in the first year <laughs> i'm sure you did <laughs> so i'm answering the question <laughs> right and they talk about you know and i should tell you one more thing we had this course absolutely unusual called concepts in science right mm-hmm. it comes things from physics from chemistry from lots of things it was an introduction to science so we had this notion of concepts in science for which they had, and bits used to do this that they used to give cyclo style notes for different courses that they had taught of those days of pre electronic pdfs and all that which you could upload so they would give us cyclo style sheets cyclo styling i don't think any of you have heard it was yeah. pre xerox 
pre-photocopy. <laughs> so there were these cyclostyle machines. The guy would make the notes, the teacher, and the set of teachers. And they gave us this bound book of concepts in science, which was uh, heavy in this physical sense, and also in the unusual combination of subjects that were there inside. They taught us relativity. They taught us so many other things. Uh, then yeah, we also had uh, this course by on I think modern physics by Beiser. You know, we had apart from that, you were asking me classical mechanics, electricity, magnetism. We also had course in magnet uh, modern physics uh, based on Arthur Beiser's book. And then we had vibrations waves by French. I still have that book on my shelf here from those times. Right? We and still have that book on our shelf. It's an MIT MIT series, right? I in fact I think I have even preserved my resident Halliday from those days, right? And I have preserved all my books here, right on my shelf. <laughs> so, uh, this concepts in science was something, it just was very unusual. And it used to uh, confuse us, it also used to excite us, that they were treating science, you know, they were telling us lots of things in science, perhaps with the idea, perhaps, I don't know what their intentions were, that we have to see everything as an integrated thing. It is not just, you know, even in physics we say that is heat, thermodynamics, this is electricity and magnetism. I think they just wanted to break down all those notions, or at least to me, it looks like that right now. So they just gave us, given something, how would you think about a problem? So they gave you concepts in science. So while doing all this and by being challenged by this much smarter, very, very brilliant guys all around us, and whom we used to sort of look at, you know, in, oh, wow, this guy is that scholar, that guy is this, he was this rank holder, and you know, all that, how, how teenagers are, right? And so we probably got discussing more and more. It was also a challenge that I didn't understand as much as those guys did. So I used to feel that I must learn all this. You know, how come these guys know and I don't know? So we started reading. And one of those books from that time referred by uh, referred to me by one of my friends is a book called Physics for the Inquiring Mind. And I find that there's a copy available even now on Amazon. And I will send you, uh, uh, I think you can even download it now. It's called, I think it's by Eric... Um, Eric Rogers or something, Physics for the Inquiring Mind. So it was again a fat book, you know, big A4 sized, not the normal book size, but the A4 sized book, a fat one of some 600, 700 pages or more. And I faithfully carried it in my suitcase to read during the holidays. Not that I read much, <laughs> but the intention was that this book had all amazing things and very nicely written. So I had to figure out lots of stuff from there. And that book stayed on my shelf in uh, in the hostel for a few semesters. I would reissue it every time you know, I had to return it to the library. And uh, yeah, uh, again, another thing that I should say, they had a wonderful library uh, of books at that time. And they also had a very facilitating, enabling kind of environment. For example, none of us could buy the books. You know, this is all way into the past when the money was not much, right? The salaries were very low of a typical parent who would send his child to Pilani. And the best bills were really, really low. You'd be amazed to see how much they were. <laughs> and so they gave us, so they bought this Thomas book in multiple copies, hundreds of them. And they divided that into two. So for calculus one, we had GB Thomas one and GB Thomas two. So uh, for GB Thomas two was the second year calculus two. So what they did was they, uh, they gave us half the book for a princely sum of five rupees per semester. For five rupees per semester, I could rent that book and return it at the end of the semester. So they did this, you know, all these things were enabling in so many ways. They knew that 
otherwise you couldn't buy the books but you still had to have access to them so it was sort of equitable fair play system and that was i found that very very interesting that they would just buy 500 copies or 400 copies and then give it for a very um, you know small amount of money as as a rent for the whole semester yeah i think we still have that system it's called book bank system now and for uh, the same <laughs> yeah and so guys, you can uh, like borrow books from the library i'm sure you guys want to read only and all of your laptops and i'm sure you <laughs> got a few without a laptop and a smartphone <laughs> and what not right so i'm sure the especially the in the online sense <laughs> yeah yeah like i already told you i can't stop talking so you have to stop talking <laughs> at some time is the fact that you own you take responsibility for yourself there was no compulsory attendance in fact we also chose our own timetables like which these days people are saying yeah you can make your own timetable that's a good thing in a modern university but which was doing it in the 70s you could make your own timetable based on a priority number that you get from the computer and you pray 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 that you get a good priority number so that you get all the best teachers you know by folklore that this is a great guy for this let's hunt for him and if you do not get then you know there were classes where one teacher had 150 students sitting in his class and another teacher had five uh to me it looks like you know i feel sad about some of those things that we did but it's just <laughs> that you know people said their reputations were built on you know the way this guy taught something he explains things very well so people were sitting on window ledges in one guy's class, one teacher's class and in the other class in a huge lecture theater there was just a lecture hall there were just five people so how do you explain this you explain this because people said you have to learn the subject and you have to pass the exam where you learn from how you learn is your problem so we are challenging you to challenging you to be responsible it works in two ways the people who could not handle the challenge or handle it well the guys who handled it really well and were focused they really did well but it was also a temptation that you know you could always cover up later then you could you know do something you could postpone things you would just do you don't have to attend classes <laughs> so freedom is a double edged thing as you know uh, to be free is really difficult because you have to make decisions which are good for yourself and your district so nobody was making decisions for us we had to make for ourselves so fun to know that even the a lot has changed a lot of things have still remained common cuz uh, i think i hope the good yeah, things yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, we still pray to our pr god uh, we don't yeah. get answered I, very I often was, uh, one thing that has probably changed for the better which i noticed uh, over the years because i had other people going back to uh, going to bits for their own degrees whether i think the uh, diversity you know these days we are very very aware of uh, a balanced representation for all communities in any in any educational system so the gender balance was totally skewed in the 70s and 80s and probably even the 90s but bits i think did something to address that very early earlier than other people and i do know that there were several girl students who would regularly uh, you know give the exam for the bits uh, programs and then get admitted I think the gender ratio has certainly improved now. So the thing is, uh, I, I think around 2006 was when uh, the BITSAT was enforced. Uh, I think the gender ratio kind of started to drop again because of that. Like before, when the 12th board exams used to define, uh, you know, entrance to BITS, that was where the gender ratio was kind of better off. But I think it's still we have we still have a long way to go for that. But you know the gender balance thing is also to do with how the society is evolving, or how the society is at a particular time. I think yeah. now more parents are willing to 
uh, you know, encouraging their children to pursue anything that they like, irrespective of the gender. Uh, but from the time of, you know, 1940 boys and uh, 60 girls or 1900 boys and 100 girls, I think we have probably moved on from there for the better, right? It yeah. is. Yeah. We have improved Very a lot. Yeah. Yeah, it's not 19 or 14, 16, but it's it's around 1 is to 8 right now. 1 is to 10, 1 is to 8. Is well, I'm sure it should improve more and more. Yeah. Because yeah. as I know, I'm on the other side, and I'm also asked various questions uh, by different uh, agencies and authorities that what are you doing about gender balance in physics, uh, in improving diversity, not just gender balance, but also diversity. Uh, but gender is a big thing. And given that uh, International Women's Day, uh, we are particularly acute, uh, you know, aware of that, that we should do something about getting more women into physics. And this is going across the whole world. The American Physical Society has several initiatives to foster this gender balance. And uh, in India too, I think the, the changes are sort of sweeping. We are conscious that we do not handicap a section of people by maybe a system is working in a certain way that actually prevents some section from being a fair, you know, an equal player uh, on that ground. So these things, I think we are consciously making efforts to address, but we should do much more. I don't think we have done enough. Yeah, like I feel there's still, as Yashi said, there's still a long way to go. Yeah, is it more conscious on the, uh, you know, women in STEM? In fact, I think even like yesterday and day before yesterday, a lot of our organizations in our, uh, you know, college did a lot of panel discussions where women from entrepreneurship and, you know, a lot of other sectors came out and talked about this issue. And like in just general, they talked about them. And I, I think that's great that we're kind of beginning the conversation. Uh, just like, you know, not yeah, talking I think, about you know, the, the fact that we've been sensitized and we are walking on the road implies that uh, we will reach someday. We should, of course, walk faster. We should probably sprint towards the goal. But yeah. I'm sure we will, we will reach there as long as we are aware of the problem. listening to our podcast and stay tuned for more.